This is Education Matters, brought to you by the Ohio Education Association. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Education Matters. I'm Katie Olmstead, part of the communications team for the Ohio Education Association, which represents 120,000 K-12 teachers, education support professionals, and higher ed faculty members in the state. It goes without saying that our members are invested in public education. And we know the decisions made in the State House and in the Capitol Building in D.C. have a huge impact on public education in Ohio. That's why having friends of public education in public office matters so much. To determine who are the best candidates to serve our students, educators, and public school communities, many OEA members sit on screener committees to vet and recommend candidates for the OEA fund to support. Their choices reflect the political balance of our membership as a whole, with 57% of political donations last year going to Democrats, 37% going to Republicans, and the rest going to nonpartisan candidates. Again, all of those candidates are pro-public education, and that's the most important thing. One candidate who has proven to be a great friend of public education is Congressman Tim Ryan, who is running to represent Ohio in the U.S. Senate. He joined OEA for our big representative assembly in early December and addressed the delegates before sitting down with OEA President Scott DeMauro for a candid conversation about where he stands on the issues. Take a listen. It happens by doing three things, and I think these three things are the basic principles of us moving forward, is we have to build America, we have to rebuild the middle class, and we have to beat China. And, and what does that mean for the educators? It means, from a policy perspective, we have to invest into you, your schools, your community. We have to make sure that our kids have the skills necessary to outcompete China. We gotta rebuild our country with this infrastructure bill. And I've talked to so many people across this state, many of them uh, teachers and educators, where kids are having to go to a church or to a McDonald's to download their homework because they don't have access to high quality uh, internet. That is insane. That is insane to think that we're gonna outcompete China when our businesses and our schools don't have access to these kind of things. We need to make sure that we are performing and able to compete at a level that will allow us to take on China. They outproduce us with semiconductors, electric vehicles, batteries, charging stations, artificial intelligence, pharmaceuticals. Most of the pharmaceutical compounds we get in the United States come from China. And we're running, us collectively, are running against uh, people on the Republican primary that are saying that we need to get rid of public education. One of the candidates so extreme says we need to get rid of public education and put our schools in churches and synagogues. The greatest strength we've ever had in the United States, our most powerful weapon in the United States was the great American middle class. And I believe that the judgment that needs to be made by voters today in Ohio and across the country is who will be the candidate that will go to Washington, D.C., go to the most powerful legislative body in the world and do everything in their power to rebuild the United States middle class. 
because it has been gutted, it has eroded, and it's time for us to move in another direction. I'm going to fight like hell for you. I grew up in Niles, just outside of Youngstown. Uh, as we said, my wife is a, a first grade school teacher uh, in Middle Ridge, Ohio. Uh, our kids go to Howland and, and Middle Ridge. Our oldest goes to Ohio State Mansfield uh, campus. We are Ohio. I went to Bowling Green. I worked here in Columbus in the state senate, grew up in the valley. I understand what's happening in this state and in this country. And I've been fighting my rear end off for working people, whether they're white or black or brown, for 20 years. And I want to take that fight for you and your community and your school to the United States Senate. We cannot put somebody in office who wants to dismantle and attack public education. I'll just say lastly, every time I pull in the Columbus, Ohio, get up early and outside of Warren and drive down and I pull in, I always, always remember the fight for Senate Bill 5. Coming down here as a, as a young congressman uh, and, and being with you in that fight, being with police and fire and, and all of the other public employees. We won that by 63% of the vote. When you run on an economic message, a pocketbook message with working class people and we come together around these economic issues, we move the needle. And that's what's going to happen in this campaign. And you're going to send a Democrat, a fighter from the Mahoning Valley to stand shoulder to shoulder with Senator Sherrod Brown. Look forward to the campaign over the next year. Thank you so much. First off, uh, you said you were fighting as a young congressman back then. Of course, you're still a young congressman. Well, so I just, I just considering <laughs> the age of everyone else in Washington, I'm young. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, can you talk a little bit? We, one of the things that we're really excited about, and, and one thing that we appreciate your advocacy on, uh, was getting the American Rescue Plan Act passed. Uh, that's bringing four and a half billion dollars in desperately needed federal resources uh, into our school system in the state of Ohio. Um, and now, and since then, uh, President Biden signed the bipartisan infrastructure bill, yep. uh, and we're hoping that uh, following your lead, we'll get uh, the Build Back Better plan uh, yep. passed. Can you talk a little bit for our delegates, like what those issues mean, like why the why uh, the infrastructure bill and uh, the Build Back Better plan are yeah. so important? Yeah, I think it's important for you guys and for for us to really paint the picture of like, look. There are two different visions of what Washington, D.C. is supposed to do for the country, right? And there's the guys like me and guys like Sherrod who are saying, like, look, government needs to be on your side, needs to make investments. And there's others who want to dismantle public education and all the rest. And so the rescue package was really an opportunity for us to go all in on uh, schools, all in on local governments who have been gutted as well over the last however many years. We see it with the local government fund here uh, in Ohio, the child tax credit which is lifting millions of kids out of poverty across the United States. I mean, finally, a tax cut for work, working families. We know how expenses are going up, and so it's important to do that. And now coming in with the infrastructure bill, again, the broadband, the roads, the bridge is going to create millions of jobs, union construction jobs across the country. And we're trying to lay the groundwork for the next generation of jobs. I mentioned, you know, China, like they dominate 52% of the electric vehicle industry. You know, they dominate us in batteries and in a lot of other technologies. We can't even begin to compete with them until we lay this infrastructure down. And there's money in there for schools. And so we've got to start 
I think, respecting what teachers do. Uh, just a quick funny story, during the middle of the pandemic, I know so many teachers have been through a lot. Um, my wife got a, a, an email from a parent who said, uh, you guys don't get paid enough. This is like in the heat of it, right? You guys don't get paid enough. People don't respect teachers enough. In fact, I may have given, she's homeschooling the kids. She goes, I may have given birth to this kid, but he's actually yours and you need to come and get him. <laughs> so that's, we, that's the investment we want to make. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think a lot of our members, you know, we're hearing things like that. Um, so we've got that issue. I, I know there are a couple of things that, that specific to education. Uh, one is, you know, this charter school industry and wondering if you're elected to the Senate. I should say when you there are elected you to the Senate. Manifest um, that stuff. <laughs> you know, how, how you're going to take that on. Because one, one startling statistic is 37% of charter school startups in the state of Ohio that have received federal funding have closed within the first year or two. Um, and that, you know, talk about throwing money uh, down the drain when uh, we really need to be committed to our uh, public schools. So can you talk a little bit about your approach to, to that whole issue of accountability for yeah. charter schools and, and the whole privatization movement? Well, clearly informed. I only spent two years in the Ohio Senate and obviously a representative from Ohio. My views are informed by the dumpster fire that is uh, happening here in Ohio. I mean, even the charter school community uh, calls Ohio the wild, wild west of charter schools because it's complete lack of oversight. And so I've been calling on for years now the Department of Education to pay more attention, to provide some oversight. I think the Biden administration is moving in that direction. And you just got to put the hammer down. It's like, look, it is what it is now, but it needs to be regulated at the same way that the public schools are because it's just un otherwise it's, it's unfair and there's no way to really gauge whether or not these kids are getting the education. And again, think about the lost years there. Uh, you know, you go to a charter school that doesn't even make it the next year. Now, is that kid prepared to go to the public school and be able to keep up with his peers who got the education in the public school the last year? So again, we're trying to compete against China. This is a very serious competition, which is why we have to make sure we regulate these things, even at the federal level. Yeah, thanks. Um, so one of the things that's, that's on uh, our members' minds all the time is just the way standardized testing has far too often just suck the joy out of teaching and learning oh God, from our classrooms. And a lot of the standardized testing pressures, you know, come from the federal government. They came from No Child Left Behind. Uh, and while we got some improvements in ESSA, you know, there are still lots of minimum testing requirements that the federal government imposes on states. How are you going to take on the issue of standardized testing in the Senate? Well, I think continue to work with the Biden administration. I know they're already taking steps to try to streamline and reduce. And I, Look, we want to make sure we know where the kids are, you know, so we can then adjust one way or the other. But the obsession is, is as you said, it's taken the joy out of teaching. It's taken the joy out of learning. How many people and how many students are, are really good students, but not necessarily great test takers? The direct correlation between the economic situation in a community and in a school district uh, is directly related. And that, that study years ago came out of Youngstown State University, directly connected to the performance with test scores. So this obsession, look, teaching is an art. You know, I mean, I see it at home. Because uh, my wife will periodically follow me around with a red pen, you know, if I'm not doing everything right. But it's an art form, and it's it needs to be appreciated that way. And again, 
it's not just the test scores. We've got to make sure we're monitoring the kids, but it's got to be within reason. And we've got to, I think, build out a lot of things that we got rid of. We got rid of shop class. We got rid of home economics. We're not investing into the after school and summer school programs like, like we should. We still have buildings that aren't up to speed, even with all the building and construction that's been going on here. So it's a broader thing. But if we move away from our obsession of testing and recognize that some kid may enter an understanding of math through music or through art, so why have we limited these? Every kid's different. And I mean, I just think that's a general philosophy. Everyone's a genius, right? Every kid is a genius in yeah. some way. Some can take a car apart and put it back together. I couldn't. Maybe I'm good in speech and debate and right. someone else is good at something else. But we've narrowed the entry points for those kids to find that genius, to find that passion. And, you know, once you find it, everything else opens up. Then you understand why you have to learn these other things. You know what I mean? Our, our oldest uh, son is really getting into stocks and, you know, mm -hmm. cryptocurrency and, and just it's so neat to watch him. He just lights up. Right. He never had this exposure. But now he's understanding why he really needs to understand how to write a good paper, because I'm telling him, like, look, if you want to understand this, you're going to have a boss who's going to say, send me an email explaining all of right. this. Right. But his passion, his entry point was investment in finance and stocks. We got to offer that to our kids across the board, but it's been the obsession with testing that has narrowed that, and I think it's hurt us, and I think it's hurt our economy. Yeah. So you you mentioned in your opening comments, you know, that our our union uh, represents a diverse array of adults who work in schools, higher education, K twelve, working for county boards, and and uh, teachers and education support professionals, yeah. people who drive yeah. the buses and and work in our cafeterias and and serve as school secretaries and paraprofessionals. One of the things that we're really facing right now is a shortage of people in all of those areas. I mean, you, you hear every day about the stories of schools that can't uh, operate for in-person instruction because yeah. of a critical bus driver shortage. Uh, what are some things that, that can be done at the federal level to address those kinds of issues and to make sure that the people who are working in our schools in all those different roles have the support that they need? Well, I think the, the union issue, making sure these jobs pay, that they're, they're getting a fair wage, good retirement, and all the rest, which you guys are you know phenomenal at. Uh, in the rescue package, we sent a lot of money to the local school districts, and we're hoping here in Ohio that that bumps the level up. And then with your efforts and our efforts to try to increase the investments, we can keep that going, whatever those investments are made by the uh, rescue package. So part of it is that. The other part is we got to stand up for our public schools. Like, we can't be silent on what this, this BS I'm trying to be polite here on Saturday morning. Um, that that you that we've seen over this past several months of just you know setting up a camera at a school board meeting and having someone sign you in, and a politician goes in there that has no other interest in that school district mm -hmm. other than demagoguing whatever particular issue or on mass or whatever. We got to call people out on that. It's like, look, these are complicated decisions. Parents are anxious. Teachers are anxious. Right. This last year and a half sucked. I mean, two years. It's been terrible for everybody. So instead of coming together and like, how do we fix this? Uh, 
we've got to call those people out. I think that's going to be equally as important. You're, you're seeing it across professions, most in the public sector, of people saying, I'm not going to go into teaching. I'm not going to go. I'm going to go expose myself to this craziness and parents and the way you're. Tra-. So, I, and I, you've heard me tell this story. Like, my grandfather was a steel worker. And one time I was taking him grocery shopping, and I, I wanted to go to this one grocery store. And he wouldn't go there uh, because they, uh, the meat cutters were on strike. Mm-hmm. And he wouldn't cross the picket line. Now, I was a young person at that point. But he was teaching me, like, you respect those workers. Yeah. And I think if there's something that we've really lost, it's that just general respect that this teacher gets up, this educator, this cafeteria worker, this bus driver, they get up every morning to take care of our kids. They spend more time with our kids than we do, given yeah. the nature of our economy. And we're going to dump all over them. Like, I think that is the fundamental problem then. And then, of course, the wage and other things that I mentioned. But, and that's a culture thing that we all have to, have to participate in. Yeah, so you, you uh, alluded to one of your opponent's comments, and I'm going to call him out, Josh Mandel, yeah. uh, who um, is, has been so brazen in his, uh, in his disdain for public education, that comment about get, get rid of public schools and, and go to churches and synagogues. But it's not just him. Yeah. Uh, J.D. Vance, uh, in the same debate at the same time, uh, to your point, was dissing on teachers, uh, attacking our union, uh, implying that as, because we're not parents, which of course many of us are, <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. know, your yeah. wife, yeah. myself, yeah. you know, like, uh, but, but the suggestion that somehow uh, you can't trust these people in our schools and, and just the utter disrespect coming from him. And then you had other people in that primary who were spending you know, and they're all millionaires, and they're spending all this money yeah. to fund these openly anti-union, anti-public education candidates for local school boards. Most of them were unsuccessful, which we were happy about. Yeah, it's great um, to hear. But how do, you, how do you take that on? I mean, this, this, it, it seems that the political rhetoric has gone so far off the rails, gotten so far removed from reality, so driven by social media disinformation, mm-hmm. um, how do, you, how do you cut through all the noise? How, how are you going to uh, be successful, uh, not just winning yeah. the election in November, but, but beyond that? I think you've got to call them out because I, I was so heartened to hear what you were saying about the polling that you guys have done and the, the success in the elections. I just think, like, sometimes Democrats are like, well, I don't know. I mean, I may hurt somebody's feelings if I say X, Y. No. We're, we're, this is wrong what they're doing. I mean, I, you know, there's right and there's wrong. And what they're doing is wrong. And it's, um, it's disrespectful. It's insulting to people who are, again, going out every day to show up to serve the public, to serve our kids. And I think you gotta, you got to call them out on that uh, at every uh, single turn because I think the vast majority of people in the state respect, as your polling indicated, the fact that these you know, folks that you represent in the union go out every day to help. And I, I tell people all the time, it's like the big lie in the United States, we think the big lie is like on the election, but the big lie in the country is if I disagree with you on something, I have to hate you. I have to go to a school board meeting and demean you. I have to vanquish you, right? That's the big lie in the country right now. And I tell people all the time that, you know, uh, 
you're not going to agree with your senator or your congressman 100% of the time. And I asked, jokingly, is anybody married here? You know, and, and people laugh. And I said, look, if my wife and I have 10 conversations in a day and we agree, completely agree on seven of them, that's a hell of a day. I'm like, we open up a bottle of wine and like celebrate how great our marriage is, right? But you're never going to agree 100 percent of the time with your spouse. Why, in God's name, would you agree 100 percent of the time with your senator? So to to somehow go that next to the next level and demean and insult, I think the country's tired of that, and they're looking for leaders who can say, look, look, we can have an honest disagreement about a lot of different things. You want to find something to disagree with? Guess what? We can find something to disagree on. There's plenty of stuff out there. I want this campaign to be about what do we, what are our common interests? What's the common good? And I think our, our literature of our country is, is sprinkled with words and phrases that talk about the common good, the general welfare, provide for the common defense. Our country was founded on, look, what, what do we do together here? Yeah. You know, we know we're going to have our differences. And when you look at our competition with China, you look at our infrastructure, you look at our kids' pub, uh, education, especially in the public schools. This is all common. This is all stuff we got to figure out. There's no getting out of this, yeah. right? Uh, maybe if you're rich, and I think that's why you have a bunch of millionaires, and I'll just say this. Does anybody really think that the solution to our country's problems is to put another millionaire in the United States Senate, right? I just, to me, to, you get a kid from the Mahoning Valley, or you want another millionaire. Like, who's going to balance this thing out a little bit better? And right. I think, I think right. that's me. Well, Tim, uh, we appreciate Thanks, man. your fight. We yeah. appreciate you really. The fact that you drove down from Youngstown, from Niles, you know, yeah. to be with us today. Yeah. Uh, we're going to be doing a little uh, get-together a little bit later to yeah. show our support for you and, and give you a chance to meet some of our members. But Love it. Uh, but, but so glad Thanks, man. to have you with us. Yeah. Uh, my friends, uh, he needs our help. <laughs> yes. Uh, we need to do all we can in the next 11 months to make sure that Tim Ryan is indeed the next senator from Ohio. Yeah. Uh, thank you we're, for all you do. We're building an army. We need all everybody. Right. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Scott. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thank you. Remember, every OEA endorsement is made by members, not by OEA leaders. OEA members who are interested in interviewing candidates and making endorsement decisions are urged to become involved in the OEA Fund Screening Committee. And everyone is urged to connect with OEA on social media. We're at OhioEA on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Next week, we're bringing you top tips for improving student engagement in virtual learning from one of the Columbus educators who's helping launch a new program with a big emphasis on online instruction in that district. Until next time, stay well.